Mighty Ape is Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. With everything from movies, music, games, toys, books, hobbies and more, Mighty Ape is your one-stop shop for the things that matter most. They constantly have hot deals and exclusive promos. And if you visit their website on the click-through banner on fakechef.net's homepage, then your purchase will help support Good Movie Monday. Mighty Ape, Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning! Morning! Good morning! Good morning? You mean to wish me a good morning? What do you mean that it is a good morning whether I want it or not? Please go away! Let me speak for the love of God! Happy, happy, joy, joy. <laughs> do you remember that, Ben? Ren and Stimpy? I do. I love Ren and Stimpy. I read that they're bringing it back. Oh, really? I mean, there's a, there's a doco out. I think uh, it came out just recently on the Ren and, Ren and Stimpy phenomenon. I also liked uh, George Licker American and Jimmy the Idiot Boy and Powdered <laughs> Toast Man. Comedy Central are reviving Ren and Stimpy as well as I think Beavers and Butthead and Daria. Right. Uh. There you go. Well, look, you know, can't, can't go. <laughs> if Mike Judge is doing Beavers and Butthead, it's going to be awesome. Well, anyway, two seconds in and sidetracked. <laughs> what I meant to say was happy Monday, everyone, or, or happy insert day here to you. Uh, this is Good Movie Monday, and I am Glenn Cochran, the driver of uh, the episode for the next hour and a bit strapped into the co-host seat is Ben Helwig, the crooner that we never knew we needed. Hey, mate, how you going? I'm good, mate. Uh, very good. Of course, that was a reference to the cheeky Easter egg that was at the very end of last week's show. That was beautiful stuff, mate. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> that That's my hint to everybody listening to go back and, and plow through that final song because it is glorious. <laughs> yeah, I uh, <laughs> can't believe you left it in. <laughs> well, thank you to everyone for joining us. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be talking with you. The show is presented by Fakeshemp.net, home of the nerdy cinematic ramblings. And that website is kind of like our hub where everything we do, plus the stuff that I do for other publications, is pulled together in one nifty location. And I guess you've already found the show, but in case you didn't know, we're also available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Podbean, Stitcher, and just about anywhere that you can get your podcast from. Coming up, we have movie news from Guillermo at ScreenRealm.com. We've got the lowdown on what's been released on physical media with Jarrett and a review from the chairman of the Australian Film Critics Association, Adam. And of course, we've also got uh, another fun-sized episode of Bonehead Weekly from Kentucky. But Ben, before we go any further, uh, there's been some movement on the MonsterFest front over the past week. What can you tell us? Yeah, that's right. Last Thursday, we announced our full lineup as uh, for for Sydney, Brisbane, Adelaide, and Perth, uh, and as well as the extended dates. Uh, MonsterFest now goes from October 29th to November eight. Uh, uh, yeah, so you can you can and we launched the website and we unveiled the new artwork and the new trailer. So if you head on over to uh, monsterfest.com.au. Uh, or monsterfest.com.au slash Australia, if you're really keen, uh, you can check all of that out. The poster is glorious. And, and for people that haven't seen it, definitely jump onto the um, the website because it's so chocker full of Easter eggs. It's glorious. Yeah. It's a, like a, I think we should do some kind of prize if you can name all the references, but not even I can name all the references. <laughs> uh, we have to go back to the poster artist, uh, this guy, uh, this great guy called, uh, who goes by the name of Kung Fu Bob O'Brien, oh, uh, who did the artwork for us. Well, I've been sifting through it, trying to trying to find them all. And is there, tell me, is there a Smoke Me If You Got Him reference in there? Or is the whole thing a Smoke Me If You Got Him reference? <laughs> yeah, well, I think uh, 
Yeah, no, I dig Dale's uh, inclusion in the poster is probably as close as it gets to smoke him if you got him. <laughs> awesome. What uh, what I loved about this um, lineup announcement too is that I don't know if this means I've been living in ignorance for the past twelve months, but I don't know most of these films. Like, there's a couple I do, but I was really thrilled to have these films that I've got to go and look into and sort of discover because quite often you're anticipating a movie that's coming up but i, I kind of like, i prefer it when it's sort of new stuff so yeah i trust you guys yeah look, look Jarrett, grant simon yon myself and kim like we really uh mind the depths of what's out there uh for this festival uh you know there were there was some stuff that we were looking to get that we missed out on because of covid and there is other stuff that we got that we otherwise wouldn't have been able to play because of COVID. So uh, yeah, look, we're pretty proud of the program. And uh, I think there's pretty much something there. There's something there if you're, if you're into new films, there's something there if you're into rep films, there's stuff there. If you're into rep films that you've never seen or heard of before, uh, there's a, there's a, something in the program for you. So um, you know, if you like shorts, there's shorts, there's you know, stuff, something for everyone. Wicked. And we are going to be talking in depth about Monster Fest in a couple of weeks' time uh, when Jarrett's going to join us on the microphone again. That's going to be fun. We can't do this. When Jenny cheated on her husband... But you are married to the perfect man. He didn't just leave. Do you love him? He split. Don't follow me anymore. Stop that. Stop that. Stop it. I'm not going to let that loving wife of yours sell you down the river. I want to know what you've done with Amy. I don't know where she is. I do. Rated R. Starts Friday at theatres everywhere. So last week on the show, we failed to mention that the the new James Bond, No Time to Die, has been pushed back to April of next year. And of course, the the only reason I mention that is because we've become so used to this pinball game of, you know, let's insult James Bond because, uh, you know, because let's face it, we're swimming in the tears of Keith Schultz here, our former co-host and Bond Tragic, and it's just, it's fun. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> and speaking of movies that are pushed back, uh, the, the new adaptation of Dune has been pushed all the way back to October 2021. God's sake. I mean, that's an entire year from now. Does that, to you, spell trouble with the production or do you think it's just over-cautiousness? Yeah, look, I think, I think with a movie of that size and that scale and that budget, they really have to know when and how they're going to release it so they're going to they they i think they've probably pushed it back that far just so they can optimize every aspect of the release and they i'm i'm sure that they're hoping that they've locked that time slot in and if covid continues hopefully it won't continue that far like we should have the <laughs> the you know the, the vaccine vaccine or whatever it is that the zombie fluid that they're going to be giving us um yeah, you don't want to drop you know. this one straight onto the digitals. Yeah, no, I don't think. Yeah, HBO Max <laughs> isn't going to, you know, premiere this on the on their service. Oh, another one I wanted to quickly talk about. There's a movie coming out that got me excited. It's uh, it's called Slinky. Have you heard about this one? No, I haven't. This Sounds great. The, well, you know, it's it's not a Slinky Dog spin-off from Toy Story. Uh, so don't get your hopes up there. I was just I thought it was like like the Monopoly movie and the Lego movie. I just thought it was going to be a movie about slinkies, like like one slinky's epic trip down a staircase. Well, that we was to watch um, it in super slow motion. Wasn't that all uh, documented in a Powderfinger music video some years yeah. ago? 
<laughs> and um, this is and now the time for the feature film version. Well, this is actually a biopic about the wife of the guy who invented the slinky. And her story has the husband dying in his 60s at a time when the slinky sales were really poor and his company was struggling. The wife inherited everything uh, when he died and she managed to turn their fortunes around and like... The rest is history when it comes to Slinky. But the reason I wanted to talk about this one just for a second is because it's been directed by Tamara Davis. Do you remember her? She does ring a bell. Yeah, she is the director behind things like Half Baked and CB4, Billy Madison and Gun Crazy. Yeah, right. This, she was like dominating back in the 90s and it's great. She's been like um doing a lot of television directing in the meantime, but it's so good to have a name like hers back on the scene. Uh, so yeah, just we'll ignore the fact that she also directed Crossroads. I thoroughly enjoy Crossroads. <laughs> and that's not even a guilty pleasure, right? No, I don't feel guilty about like, no, a, a teen, a teen kind of rom-com with, who is it? Britney Spears, <laughs> Zoe Saldana, Taryn Manning, and uh, with Justin Long kind of pops up and Anson, is it Anson Mount? Uh, no, it's a great film. Oh, you know way too much it. about Crossroads, mate. There's a there's a, a scene of Britney jumping around in her underwear, <laughs> you know, which I know I know you kind of you can't turn the TV on without seeing that these days. But it was pretty special back then. I was I was working in the video store when it came out. It got it played on high rotation on the in store uh, on the in store TVs. You know what? In a little bit, uh, in a little bit of time, we're going to be talking about movie crossovers. What about if they were to do Crossroads crossed over with Crossroads? That would be interesting. <laughs> you have Britney Spears. Uh... Ralph Macchio. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is Jarrett and welcome to PE Class. Now, there's a few films coming out on home entertainment this week, eight in fact. But of that eight, only one of them is getting a Blu-ray release. And there are zero 4K Ultra HDs coming out this week. But that's cool. We had three of them last week. I bought them all, including 300, and yes, I got it for under 20 bucks. So let's kick off this week's releases with Eagle. The first film that I want to talk about is The Drone. Now, when I first heard about this movie, I read that it was actually from the producers of Unfriended and Searching, and I was a little concerned it was going to be a found footage affair, and perhaps the film was going to be told from the perspective of The Drone. Thankfully, it's not. It's an entertaining slice of DTV genre. And it follows a married couple who are terrorised by a drone that's possessed by a serial killer. Sound familiar? I mean, a do Dembala, give me the power. I beg of you! Then we've got another release called Second Amendment. Now, when did Ryan Philippe become an action star? Like, this guy's starting to chalk up a serious list of DTV actioners. Now, in this one, he plays opposite of Casper Van Dien, and its plotline is... Not too dissimilar to Taken 2. Definitely worth checking out. I've got a soft spot for Ryan, actually. You know, I, I didn't like him so much back in the day, but in the years since, I, you know, I've kind of softened to him. Anyway, moving on, another release. This one's called The Bolt. Now, this is not to be confused with that surprisingly good 2017 film of the same name, that one with James Franco, that Eagle Entertainment actually also released. No, this one stars Don Johnson, Chaz Palmateri, and Theo Rossi, among others. And it's far more straightforward than that aforementioned film. This one's based on a true story, and it revolves around one of the largest robberies in US history. Then there's another three releases that I'll just mention, but won't really discuss, that are coming out from Eagle this week. A western titled Soldier's Revenge. There's a cannabis farmer action thriller Green Rush, and a sci-fi horror Dark Light. 
Then the only other distributor releasing home entertainment releases this week is Roadshow. They've got the personal history of David Copperfield. Yeah, it's that Dev Patel film you've probably heard about. It was due to open in cinemas earlier this year, but then COVID came along, closed down the cinemas, and this film was due to be released, I think, about the week after the cinema closures. Then when the cinemas reopened, it got a kind of a brief sort of look in. Now it's headed to home entertainment, albeit only on DVD, but can you blame Roadshow if the film doesn't have a proven box office? It's hard to assess whether it's deserving of a Blu-ray release. Look, I haven't seen it, but I am looking forward to catching up with it. Then the only film that's actually coming out on Blu-ray this week is another animated entry into the DCU. Yes, it's Batman Death in the Family. I don't know too much about this one, except that it carries an MA classification because it's got strong animated violence. So I guess if you like Batman, you like a little animated Batman, then this is your bag. So that's it for this week. Until next time, stay physical. As I said before, Jarrett will be back in a couple of weeks uh, to talk about Monster Fest. We've got an episode coming up called Monster Fest Meets Halloween on October 26th. He'll be here for the entire show. I'm dead keen for that one, so that's going to be good. Make sure you um you join us. Uh, here's something, Ben. Last week I was reading about an upcoming third Sherlock Holmes movie, which Dexter Fletcher is taking over from Guy Ritchie as the director. People that don't know Dexter Fletcher, he previously directed Jarrett's favourite movie of 2016, Eddie the Eagle, which still blows my mind. <laughs> he also directed Rocket Man, which is more of a more of a, uh, a top tier kind of uh, affair for him. And of course, I know what you're going to say. Well, I mean, look, he no, he took over the directing duties for uh, Bohemian uh, Rhapsody, but I love him Here it because comes. Here it comes. I'm a big fan of Press Gang. <laughs> <laughs> Press Gang was the show. It's like they wrote that show for me. I think they did. And I loved it. And it's uh, Dexter Fletcher doing a, 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 an American accent that comes and goes throughout and, the and to, uh, and, and to think seasons. they've still got that one person that still talks about it. I, like at the uh, place I used to work, we had a lot of copies of uh, the <laughs> press game box set. And I would routinely foist it on people going, have you seen this? You've got to see this. <laughs> and to, to this day, not one of the people I've given that box set to has bother to watch well i would have been one of those people that said yes yes i have yeah. <laughs> anyway my point being that uh with the third sherlock holmes movie robert downey jr wants to build it into a franchise that's a cinematic universe so he's dubbing it the mystery verse and i mean obviously he's involved with the mcu so this is sort of something he's got his chops around but who the heck would sherlock holmes cross path with i guess it has to be other arthur cohen doyle characters yeah, maybe like H.G. Wells. You could, uh, you know, that would be around the same area. He could, he could uh, join up with um, Ichabod Crane from Sleepy Hollow. Like they're, you know, it's around the same time period, just in different countries. You know, it'd be like it'd be like League of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the, the Alan Moore comic, and the ill-fated Sean Connery film. Yes, I guess so. I guess it's, it's going to be interesting because there's going to be people that are precious about how you cross over and whether it's, you know, coming from the same author or the same i don't know era i, I don't just, know yeah, yeah it's a it's a tricky one because um, i think the only other character that i know that that doyle wrote was called professor challenger and there was a series of books including like the lost world and land of the mist um but anyway the reason we're talking about it is because it got me thinking about possible shared universes where movies collide and i thought we might be able to come up with a couple and 
other than prepping you for the topic itself, we haven't really shared notes or anything. So I'll be interested to see what you come up with compared to me. Uh, would you like to take the lead? Okay. Okay. I'll go first. Look, funnily enough, look, this is just a little, you know, you've already mentioned him uh, in the start of the show, uh, Mr. James Bond. Now I am a, I am a big fan of, of Sean Connery, early James Bond. That's like the sixties spy James Bond. Yeah. And I thought, how cool would it be? And he was based on a series of novels by Ian Fleming. So, and he's James Bond started actually started in the fifties, mm. uh, but the movies and the movies are a bit later, but the, the books themselves uh, started in the, in the fifties. But I thought, how cool would it be to kind of team up James Bond in the same universe with a bunch of other cool 60s spies? Like You're thinking of the Avengers? Well, I actually, I hadn't thought of the Avengers, but the Avengers would be perfect. I was mm. thinking uh, Modesty Blaze <laughs> uh, would be great. Matt Helm, but the, the book Matt Helm, not, mm-hmm. the, not the Dean Martin spoof uh, yep. Matt Helm. Uh, Man, Man from Uncle, I was thinking. Yep, for sure. Uh, Honey West would be good. Uh, and Harry Palmer, the Michael Caine uh, <laughs> series based on the Len Dayton novels. Interesting. So that would be a totally, a totally cool. Like they're all, I mean, it, you could even, you could even throw in uh, Flint, James Coburn's Flint oh, character, gosh, but he's, a, <laughs> he's more clearly, he's like, a, he's not based on a book. He's just a Bond parody, an American yeah. Bond parody. Man, I have not seen he, that, that film in a long time. Uh, yeah, no, me neither. <laughs> I've got other James James Coburn go tos that don't include Flint. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned um, Man from Uncle because Guy Ritchie directed the Hollywood adaptation recently. Because uh, the first one I came up with was how about Guy Ritchie's sort of lock, stock, snatch universe crossed with Tarantino's Vega Brothers universe, which is Pulp Fiction and, and um, Reservoir Dogs. That would be amazing. Those worlds would collide very nicely. But directed by Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> He would he would control all of the bits. He'd uh, like uh, I can't remember that guy's name who does it for Marvel. The problem being that if Robert Rodriguez directed it, it would one have to be shot digitally, and two it would have to have a cooking show as the special feature content on the Blu-ray. Yeah, I'm not opposed to any of that. <laughs> no, why not? Um, all right. So, what do you got for your second one? My second one is: Do you remember the cartoon show Defenders of the Earth? Defenders. Oh, I, yeah, I remember that. Uh, <laughs> That was, it was a great cartoon and it, I mean, and they added the people, as people, kids in, but it was, it was Flash Gordon, mm-hmm. the Phantom, Mandrake, and then Lothar. And then Lothar is a bit of a cheat because Lothar in the comics was Mandrake's kind of strongman assistant, right. but he became his own kind of one of the, one of the main heroes in it and they're kids, but they basically fight Ming the Merciless and all their other all the other, like the Phantom kind of, I can't remember the, the name of the cult that uh, Phantom fights the, that he um, he constantly beats up in the comics and stuff. But that uh, that universe, that universe would be great as a cinematic universe. Yeah, why haven't they? <laughs> I'm surprised those IPs like definitely do exist and they're pretty big. I heard that there is, is there some kind of Flash Gordon remake? I mean, there was that, there was that Flash Gordon TV series that came out in the 2000s with the... Um, Lana Lang's boyfriend from Smallville. Uh, mm. That was not great. Uh, I think I bought the DVD box set and I would have been the only one aside from that, that, that guy from Smallville's mum. Uh, we're probably the only two people who own that box set. Is a terrible show. 
but otherwise, <laughs> yeah, they haven't done anything with the Phantom since the since the uh, Billy Zane movie. Yeah, which I have a bit of a soft spot for. I suppose you could also incorporate the Shadow into that. I mean, like consider the fact that the two the two staple things, the two guarantees in Hollywood right now are remakes and superheroes. Like, yeah. <laughs> why not go back and mine that field? Yeah, I mean, and they were all these kind of big budget studio, like over the top studio movies when they yeah. when they came out. Like, it would be nice to see them done in a more like like they have done with the Marvel universe, where they they've tried to make them more adult, yep. yet still maintain the thing that you know that kids like about these characters but still put it into into a real world kind of scenario unlike the phantom and the shadow and flash gordon where they just they go too far into the fantastic too quickly yeah yeah it's um, funny it's funny that you mentioned uh, your second one was like kids sort of properties because my next one is also kids stuff and yeah. i was thinking what if uh the sesame street muppets were to cross over and make a film with the actual muppets from the muppet show Right, because they did cross over in the shows. Yeah, but like they didn't team up. Like there was no like yeah. there was no, no tangible sort of you know movie where they they crossed over. So I no. guess I mean the universe does exist. The shared universe exists. Yeah, I guess the closest they came would have been in uh, well they didn't, but was Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where they they got all of the cartoons from all the different yeah. kind of you know the Warner Brothers cartoons and the Hanna Barbera cartoons and the Disney Looney Tunes uh, the merry melodies or whatever all of that's all that yep. stuff all got combined in that in the one movie that's true that is true um it's kind of like what um what's the uh adult swim they kind of do that kind of stuff yeah. these days yeah for sure which they i mean the funny thing is because like all of those a lot of those adult swim kind of things were based on i think uh, hanna-barbera cartoons like space ghost definitely yeah but when they came out they were always kind of double features it was always space ghost and brack the barbarian or, or mm-hmm. uh thunder oh, was it thunder I can't remember all of the of those gloop. There was Herculoids. There was all all these weird kind of superhero cartoons. I think Captain Caveman popped in there at some point. <laughs> oh, is that is that Hannibal? That's Hannibal Barry. Yeah, it's you are weird. taking me back. What would you think of a movie if you had Wayne Selinsky from Honey I Shrunk the Kids in a movie with um, Karatikus Pot from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? <laughs> two inventors mate two inventors taking the two world inventors, yeah that would be amazing and the only other one i came up with um was maybe willy wonka meets the founder <laughs> so like the the origin story of of wonka chocolate where he goes around selling no. chocolate bars door to mixes door to door before he, he builds the uh <laughs> no i'm thinking like this guy is um this guy's already you know franchise mcdonald's he's looking for the next big franchise Oh, he wants to franchise Wonka bars. Yes, like Wonka, like like Willy Wonka's world. Have Wonka factories all over the world. Yeah, right. Yeah, it'd be a pretty crap movie though, wouldn't it? <laughs> I don't think I don't think Ray Kroc would last too long in the uh, in the Wonkaverse somehow. Like, especially not if he shoots up through that uh, great glass elevator. <laughs> Maybe he's looking for a contract for like the the chocolate fudge for his ice creams and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. wants. Uh, yeah, he wants Wonka <laughs> to do it. I'd rather. I'd rather it be uh, Tim Brooke Taylor and his supercomputer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, teaming up with uh, with Croc, <laughs> with like another. Yeah, with a. Yeah. <laughs> with like no, with like Metal Mickey or something. Great. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, before we end up pairing something like in the company of men with Suffragette, let's maybe turn to Guillermo <laughs> for some movie news at Screen Realm. 
What's happening peeps, it's Guillermo here again from ScreenRealm.com, happy to be back on Good Movie Monday, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the past week, kicking off with Don't Breathe 2, that's right, a sequel to the 2016 horror thriller Don't Breathe has been filming in Belgrade, Serbia. Actor Stephen Lang, who is reprising his terrifying role as the blind man in the follow-up, tweeted out to fans that he had completed shooting the film. It's not clear if the sequel is done filming altogether or it was simply Lang's section that had finished filming. I'm wrapped, a splendidly rugged shoot, Lang posted on Twitter. Thank you Belgrade, all health and safety protocols observed to the letter, well done all. Fede Alvarez directed the first film and this time he's on board as co-writer and producer. Making his feature directorial debut with the film is Rodo Sayegas, who co-wrote the first film and 2013's Evil Dead with Alvarez. Now there hasn't been too much to go on regarding the synopsis for Don't Breathe 2, but horror website Bloody Disgusting may have unveiled a good amount more. I quote, in Don't Breathe 2, the blind man has been hiding out for years in an isolated cabin and has taken in and raised a young girl orphaned from a house fire. Their quiet existence is shattered when a group of kidnappers show up and take the girl, forcing the blind man to leave his safe haven to save her. While nothing is official at this stage, if that synopsis is what it sounds like, it could be that the blind man is more of a protagonist this time around. It's going to be interesting to see if we'll be having to root for him in any capacity considering how much of a monster he turned out to be in the first film. If you're wondering why there's a sequel coming, Don't Breathe was quite the hit, making over $157 million worldwide from a budget of around $10 million. I'm sure I'll be telling you a little more about this sequel in future episodes, so stay tuned. In more sequel news, there's a follow-up in the works to The Addams Family, the 2019 animated film that had the voices of Charlie Theron, Oscar Isaac, and Chloe Grace Moretz. Those stars are going to be back as the lead voices, with newcomers including Bill Hader and Javon Walton. Bill Hader known for Saturday Night Live and Barry, which is a fantastic show by the way. And Walton is known for being a US boxing champion and starring in Utopia, Amazon's adaptation of the British television series of the same name. Director Greg Tiernan will once again be at the helm of the animated sequel, which is currently scheduled to hit US cinemas on October 8th, 2021. And imagine just driving along and seeing Tom Cruise chilling on top of a train beside you. Some behind the scenes action was shared last week that unveiled a little bit of what we can expect in the next Mission Impossible movie. Actor turned stuntman Daredevil and insurance headache Tom Cruise can be seen on top of a train in a video that went viral online. You can see Cruise and a number of crew members seemingly between takes while on a rail transport as it rolls through beautiful Norwegian countryside. Cruise, of course, unchannelly offers a smile and waves to the laughing fans that caught the moment. Director Christopher McQuarrie, continuing on with the franchise after having directed Rogue Nation and Fallout, shared another look at the train stunt, showing an image with Tom Cruise fighting some dude on top of the train. Of course, it won't be the first time the franchise has a big train sequence. The first film, 1996's Mission Impossible, culminated in a big action sequence aboard France's high-speed TGV train. Jump on Screen Room to check that video out. You can also check out another video that we'll put there that has a behind-the-scenes look at Tom Cruise performing an insane BMX stunt for the film as well. Alison Williams, who played the girl who took Daniel Kaluuya to her parents in Get Out, will be reuniting with Studio Blumhouse for the upcoming tech thriller Megan. Spelt, by the way, M3GAN. Williams, who you may also know from HBO series Girls, will be playing Gemma, a brilliant roboticist at a toy company. She uses artificial intelligence to develop Megan, a lifelike doll program to be a kid's greatest companion and a parent's greatest ally. After unexpectedly gaining custody of her orphan niece, Gemma enlists the help of the Megan prototype, a decision that has, of course, 
unimaginable consequences. This is possibly going to be a big Hollywood breakout for New Zealand director Gerard Johnstone, who directed the fantastic 2014 horror comedy Housebound. If you haven't seen that one, get on it. And you've probably seen it by now, but in case you haven't, the first trailer has dropped for Mank, the upcoming Netflix film directed by David Fincher and starring Gary Oldman. The film is black and white and set in 1930s Hollywood following social critic and alcoholic screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz, played by Gary Oldman, as he races to finish the screenplay of a film called Citizen Kane. UK actor Tom Burke is playing Orson Welles in the film, which will also be starring Amanda Seyfried, Lily Collins, Arliss Howard, and Tuppence Middleton, amongst others. The release date, December 4th. So mark the calendars now, David Finch's next film, hitting Netflix on December 4th. The trailer looks great. It's exactly in the style of Citizen Kane. And look, it's Fincher, so sign me up. That about does it for me, guys. Jump on ScreenRealm.com as usual. There's a lot going on there these days. Yours truly also has a podcast with his wife called Loud Observers. Check that out as well. Then uh, enjoy your viewing. I'm out of here.
I bet you weren't expecting to hear that today. <laughs> that was, um, it doesn't need any further clarification really, but yes, it was moving right along as sung by Fozzie and Kermit, and it is from the Muppet movie soundtrack from 1979. And that right there is the perfect excuse, albeit flimsy, to talk about road trip movies. <laughs> yep. Pack your bags, fill up the esky, and jump in the car as we hit the road and talk about a few classic road trip movies. Of course, I could have simply thrown to you, Ben, and asked what some of your favourites were, but it's not every day that I get to play the Lindsay Buckingham Holiday Road song underneath <laughs> my voice. So I'm going to savour this moment. Uh, give me a second here. That'll do. Uh, road trip movies, Ben. Um, it's a simple genre. It lends itself to all kinds of stories from sort of frat house lampoon comedies to spree killer films, fugitive capers and coming of age dramas. Um, it's a huge net that we're cast in and we can only really pluck out a few small ones here. But um, I'm wondering what movies you've got on, uh, on your list and I'm super curious to know whether we're going to cross streams here. Okay. Well, uh, look, I've only got uh, only, only kind of planned two films. Uh, we don't need any this. more than that. For this segment um but uh so the first one was uh monty hellman's two-lane blacktop i haven't seen that you haven't seen it i only no. saw it myself uh last year uh for the first time and it uh, although i've been aware of it for years it was just incredibly difficult to get a hold of um i love the it's title a, it's a phenomenal film it's it stars uh mainly non-actors the only actor in it is warren oates mm-hmm uh, then you've got Dennis Wilson from the Beach Boys, who plays oh, wow. the mechanic, and James Taylor. Kind of, and this was James Taylor before he he was only he just started making kind of uh, music, like making waves in the music scene. Mm. But he plays the driver, and they're these two guys who uh, basically ride around uh, the United States, challenging people to races for money in their in their hot rod. Uh, and then they come across uh, this guy, Warren Oates, GT, who they basically uh, challenge to a race. But then it's not really about that's it's that is the kind of plot. It's a fairly kind of thin plot, mm. but it's just this like it just captures this kind of mood, this time period, uh, and you get to see a lot of kind of Americana in it. Um, and there's it's just it's a this really intensely watchable kind of movie and it was being made it was made at exactly the same time as uh probably the king of all road movies uh, uh easy rider yep but they were being they were both uh being made at the same time though easy rider actually was released first yep uh so it's it's, ama it's amazing that they're both kind of basically about the same the same kind of thing this kind of freedom yes uh and freedom in america kind of thing and this um but they had they're in this it must have just been in the zeitgeist because they there's no crossover between the two well it's funny that you mentioned that you know it was fairly simplistic because when i was thinking about this in the lead up to the show the one thing that struck me is that most road trip movies are simple it's the it's the journey that lends itself to some kind of self-discovery or you know it's, it's always sort of a, a personal development kind of story that, that well well that's it the, the road trip itself acts as a metaphor for the character's journey their internal journey. I'm surprised you didn't go with Fury Road, mate. No, mate, I wouldn't do, wouldn't do that too. <laughs> well, I'm, gl I'm glad you went but with that one because I haven't seen none it. Of, and it's adding to my list. None of the none of the movies that I uh, talk about 
uh, do they do a U-turn at the end and just come back? <laughs> it defeats the whole purpose of the road trip movie. Well, well presumably they do in, in my first one um, because I could have gone with The Wizard. That was the one I wanted to go with, you know, the, um, the Nintendo movie with Christian Slater and Bo Bridges. Um, so I'm just throwing that. Is it? Yes. I, I mean, it's Fred Savage, isn't it? Yeah, he's the little boy. Um, he's the, I, don't, the, I don't remember anyone else in it except for him and I think Jenny Lewis. Yes, Is that's Jenny right. Lewis? Christian Slater plays the older brother and Bo Bridges right. is the father and they're chasing, like they're, they're trying to find him. Right. Anyway, well, look at this. I've ended up talking about The Wizard. It's not even like it was <laughs> going to be the one I picked. But if you've never seen The Wizard, definitely do. Maybe we can talk about that on one of our midweek videos. But I'm going with 1977's Smokey and the Bandit, um, starring Burt Reynolds, Sally Field, Jackie Gleason and Jerry Reed. Um, I, I guess it's a bit of a stretch to call it a road trip movie. It's definitely a road movie. I think that no, it's a, it's definitely a road movie. Yeah. I yeah. Think it counts. Look, I mean, talk about politically incorrect movies. It's a pretty damn offensive film in today's standards, but for a guy like me, that is entirely part of its appeal. Um, obviously we've progressed in our social standards, but this film just represents that slice of time. I used to thrash it on VHS as a kid. In fact, I used to thrash all of them. Like the, the first three theatrical films I adore. Each and every, even the third one. I love the third one. Um, but, you know, the jokes are on point. Like, they're insensitive to, you know, people of, you know, the current generation. Color, uh, <laughs> gender. <laughs> sexuality. All of the above. I mean, Born. like, I watched this with my kids some years ago. And, I mean, they were too young to really understand why some of these things would have been, you know, offensive. But I do remember their reactions to Jackie Gleason stuff. Right. <laughs> when he said, a light one would be, you know, when he turns to his son and says, you know, when I get home, I'm going to smack your mama in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just got to watch it with that aspect of time in your mind. Yeah. Are you a fan of Smoking the Bandit or in any of them? Uh, look, I, I haven't, I love the Jerry Reed, uh, When You're Hot, You're Hot. Uh, song, <laughs> yeah. which is a big part, I believe, of Smokey and the Bandit. I do look. I do like them. I've got them on Blu-ray. It's been a little while since I watched them. I I've, I saw the doco. We played the doco at Monsterfest back in 2016. I haven't uh, seen that. Is, does that cover all of them or just the first film? It's just the first one, I believe, uh, from memory. And because it's directed by Hal Needham, isn't it? Yeah, the first the actually all. Actually, no, one and two were directed by him. Number three was somebody else. And then four, five, six, seven were directed by him as well. By him. Because he was Bert, he was a stuntman originally, Hal Needham. Yeah, and yeah. Burt Reynolds' stuntman. It was Burt Reynolds who kind of pushed him into directing. Yep. And then he went on to direct, you know, I mean. Cannibal Run. Cannibal Run. Unfortunately, he did uh, Megaforce. <laughs> rad. Which a lot of was people it, was, liked was it, it. I do Was not. it Rad that he did? Is it Rad? I think so. Yeah. Rad or Thrashing. I always yeah. those two <laughs> one of up. those. You know, here's what I want to know. Like the documentary you just mentioned sort of reminded me number three, Smokey and the Bandit was originally called Smokey is the Bandit and Jackie Gleason played both characters and it tested really poorly with the audience. So they had to go back and reshoot it the way it is now. So there is a, an alternative cut of this film out there that is begging for a re-release where Jackie yeah. Gleason plays the Trans Am driving bandit as well as Sheriff well Buford as... T. Justice. No, that's a vinegar syndrome release if ever I heard one. <laughs> well, that would get, be phenomenal. I know if anyone over there is listening to this and weren't aware of it, get onto that immediately. Um, anyway, what have you got next? Uh, well, next, look, all my life I've never had a sure thing. 
So uh, <laughs> you pay for the tickets and I'll get you to Los Angeles. Oh, mate. That's what Rob Reiner and uh, John Rob Cusack. Rob Reiner, John Cusack, Daphne Zinniger. Is it Demi Moore? Uh, no, I, I, no. No, it's Daphne Zinniger is the girl that okay. he travels with. Okay. Um, so it's basically John Cusack and Daphne Zinniger uh, both go to this university. And John Cusack at the time this movie was made was 17 years old. Yeah. Like he actually had to be emancipated from his parents in order to do the role. Uh, and he's playing a college student, but he just, mm. he, you know, he, he does such a good job. But they're in college and uh, he, I think John Cusack is kind of into Daphne Zinniger already. And he, she kind of, he tries to kind of get into her pants while simultaneously trying to get her help uh, in school because he's flunking out of English. Yeah. Um, but they end up, it doesn't go well and they end up kind of not like particularly liking each other, but then they get stuck. They both, they both need to travel to Los Angeles. John Cusack, whose good friend, Anthony Edwards has given him a call telling him that <laughs> he needs to come out because he's got a sure thing. There's a yep. sure thing waiting for him in Los Angeles. Yep. And that sure thing uh, takes the form of uh, Nicolette Sheridan yep. from Desperate Housewives and uh, the, the stepdaughter of Telly Savalas. If that's just a bit of extra <laughs> trivia for you on Nicolette Sheridan. I need a sound and, effect that comes in every time you drop a nugget like that. Yeah. <laughs> the, the stepdaughter of Telly Savalas, if that's just a bit of extra <laughs> trivia for you on Nicolette Sheridan. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Daphne Zuniga wants to get uh, to Los Angeles to meet up with her fiance, who's a much mm. older kind of straight-laced businessman. And they, they start off kind of hitching a ride uh, and then everything that can go wrong does go wrong and they're both kind of stuck together and it's like a odd couple type type scenario when they're trying to get across mm. country um well i was thinking of um one crazy summer when i said demi more so that's where that brain that's brain yes. fart came from uh but i love a short thing and i think what i like about it the most is the the, the concept itself you know in today's standards once again is a bit you know risky you know it's it's, it's a little bit the concept of a sure thing yes but what I like about the film is that he's never on board with it. No, not like really. He, he's, he sort of doesn't want that, you know, it's, he's yeah. been sort of forced into it. So I like that aspect of it because it, it's kind of wholesome at the same time. Yeah. And like, he's like, he's, but he's like genuinely kind of in love with Daphne Zinniger. Yeah, he doesn't exactly. really give him the time of day because he's a screw up and she's yep. straight laced and, you know, has her career mapped out, out in front of her and, you know, yeah. their opposites attract. Uh, I'm looking at the DVD now. I need to watch that again. It's been a while. Excellent. Yeah, I I, uh, I was going to watch it in preparation for this show, but I actually, there were too many road trip movies that I was, I wanted to watch in prep and I ran out of time for all of them. Oh, God, no. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I was surprised at how many road trip movies there are. Like, when you actually put your mind to it, like, there's so many, um, which brings me yeah. to my next one, which I think I've talked about on the show before. I don't know how long ago, but... I've got to do it again because I mention it at every single opportunity. It's 1985's <laughs> Sesame Street's Follow That Bird. <laughs> this is this is the other Muppet movie uh, featuring an amazing ensemble. Like, listen to this. You've got John Candy, Chevy Chase, Dave Thomas, Sandra Bernhard, Paul Bartel, John Flaherty, Waylon Jennings. I mean, plus a whole lot of others, as well as the usual Sesame Street players. You've got Maria, you've got Bob, you've got Gordon. I, Gordon pops up in other movies, which is great. 
He pops up in a few R-rated ones. He was in like a procedural cop film, like Dirty yeah. Harry or something like that years ago. Yeah, he plays like the captain. Yeah, He's what like was the that? Police captain, and like it's Gordon. <laughs> you can't miss Gordon. I was going to say when you said it's got an all-star cast, I was expecting you to go like, "There's Oscar, there's Elmo, <laughs> there's uh, the Snuffleupagus." Like, I wouldn't be wrong. I wouldn't be wrong. <laughs> Maybe Elmo. I don't. Think it was probably pre-Elmo. It is definitely pre-Elmo. But they did a follow-up movie where he was the lead, um, "The Adventures of Elmo in Grouchland." Right. Yeah. And yeah. those yeah. those would be the only two Sesame Street films to be released theatrically. That's how I knew I was getting too old for Sesame Street when they introduced Elmo, and I was like. No, not my Sesame Street, man. It wasn't mine either. I don't, I don't know who you think you are, Elmo, but yeah. uh, Big Bird already exists. Oscar exists. Bird and Ernie exists. Who the hell yeah. are you? I mean, like they do Tickle Me Elmo toys, but where was our Pull Me Gonzos or, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I, like, I like the Tickle Me Elmo because it, it looks like he's uh, having an overdose. <laughs> like he shakes and and uh, like <laughs> he just he spazzes out and you're like, this is a... <laughs> almost had almost had a little too much of the of the of the special sauce. Well, everybody, if you've never seen Sesame Street, follow that bird. Track it down. I, I highly recommend buying the Blu-ray from overseas. It's not got a local release. Um, but I did believe I do believe the uh, the Astor screened it last year, which um I was not able to attend because I was recording this show. Should have recorded it live, live at. <laughs> the follow that bird screening on the stage while it's playing to piss everybody off they're just trying yeah. to watch a movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> we should take we should take this show on the road once we come out of lockdown down straight yep well speaking of family movies this week uh, the guys at bonehead weekly are talking about their favorite family friendly horror films just in time for halloween let's take a listen to that all right welcome to bonehead weekly fun size Today, edition, edition. Does it have to be? Why is it edition? It, it's not like it's the new edition. It's not like it's the old edition. And Lord knows, we just subtract from good taste. Oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Our topic today is the best family horror films out there for yourself, or Halloween movies that you can watch during Halloween with your family. Yeah. So, Joe, why don't you go first, bud? Why do I have to go first? All right, I'll, I'm going to go first simply because this is my favorite one. This is it. This is the one I watch every year. It's The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, Disney's Night Legend of Sleepy Hollow. For you all that don't really know or haven't paid much attention, it actually came out, hold on, in 19, and I completely screwed that up, 49. It was The Wind in the Willows and The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. It was a combination of those two movies when it came out. Now, over the last 80 years people still watch the wind in the willows but by far the legend of sleepy hollow narrated by the late great bing crosby i was about to say it's got that great narrator and it's got one of the greatest narrators of all time who may have beat his children with some oranges but that's beside the point sweet valencia oranges google it it's one of my favorite Disney properties I've ever seen. I still love it. We've watched it many, many times when we do our Halloween-a-thon, right? I can't say enough about it. I'm going to show it to my child this year. I think I showed it last year. He wasn't paying attention. This year, let's hope it scares the bejesus out of him. You know, I, I, I was thinking about this, and I really did have trouble because in my family, my family loves to watch Hocus Pocus, and, and we've talked about that before, so I don't want to beat that dead horse. So I want to throw out one that doesn't necessarily get a lot of attention isn't hugely well known anymore 
but I think Monster House deserves some credit because it's got Monster a really a really good movie. It it's is, re- and it's creepy as hell. Yeah, I don't. And know. it works. I, it, I was gonna say it works. Children level, yeah. A, a lot. I mean, literally, my, my kids when they first watch it when they were younger, uh, the kite goes in the house, and then my daughter just goes, "You go ahead and turn that off." You turn it off. Monster House. If if you've never seen Monster House, it actually kind of has a a sweet story to it too. So if you've never seen Monster House, give it a shot this Halloween with your family. Or and by I'm, yourself, I don't judge. And I'm going to cheat and do two because I, there's two that I, I struggled with. So the first one, let's go along with that house theme. I want to talk about Eli Ross' best movie, A House with a Clock in Its Walls. If you, haven't seen, if you haven't seen it, it is a superb children's Halloween film. Uh, Jack Black is amazing in it. Uh, so is uh, Kate Blanchett. It's worth the watch if you haven't seen it. It, it kind of came and went. And I feel like people are still not talking about it. Hopefully, as we progress in age, it will get a little more popular. And then my second pick, uh, I always mention this one because it, it is one, one of those sleeper movies I got by. I'm a huge fan of Tim Burton, so I have to mention Frankenweenie. Uh, it is by far one of my favorite uh, of his films uh, and, t- and also stop motion in general. Um, it's about a kid who re- uh, reanimates his dog, who he misses dearly, and it is a pretty heartwarming uh, story and there is a lot of uh, great monster effects in it. So if you haven't seen either a house with a clock in its walls or Frank and Weenie, check them out. Really quick, House of the Clock in Its Walls is more entertaining than Frank and Winnie. Frank yes. is a more artistic film. My kid calls it the pumpkin movie. Really enjoyed it. He wasn't even three yet. Well that has been Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Tune in next week for something else. Yeah, blah blah blah. And by <laughs> the way, if you if you want to talk about oranges Joe mentioned oranges. Uh, for our, our, our few listeners, uh, buy, Google Cesar Romero and oranges. You will be pleasantly surprised. Oh, I think I'll do that now. All of those, uh, if I do say so myself, are exceptional movies. I'm particularly fond of Monster House. Uh, that one was, they didn't mention it was produced by Robert Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg. Definitely a fantastic addition to your Halloween lineup if that's something that you do each week. And uh, we'll be talking more about Halloween movies when Jarrett joins us uh, for our October 26th episode. So once again, join us for that one. But now uh, here's Adam with a review of The Raid. Hey guys, it's Adam here from Adam's Just Seen with another Good Movie Monday recommendation. This week, I'm going to be recommending an action movie. And the action film that I will be recommending is The Raid, an Indonesian film that you may not have checked out. And if you have, you should run to check it out. It brought the martial art called Silat to the screen, and it brought a practitioner by the name of Iko Iowas with it. And basically, these two things on screen is as bad as rock and roll as it gets. Silat is where you just punch the shit out of someone until you snap their neck. Uh, And so you can just imagine that if you do these long takes like director Gareth Evans does here and you end with that punctuation, it makes for pretty good action viewing. I saw this movie at midnight uh, with my brother and a bottle of bourbon and I've forever been worshipping at the altar of director Gareth Evans ever since. He's got a new project out called Gangs of London, which I have seen, and it kicks an unholy amount of ass. But The Raid, I saw, there's another film before this, Miranda, a small, low-budget one, but for a lot of people, this is where this dude kind of started. And there's The Raid, and there's The Raid 2, which is considered the godfather two of kung fu films. But basically, these films are just, you know, they are action extravaganzas. They are incredibly violent too as well, which is definitely my cinematic jam. The Raid here is uh, really simple in its premise these cops get to the bottom of a compound and they got to get their way up the top there to get to the drug dealer up the top and that sounds probably really reminiscent of dread 
and those two movies came out in close succession and there was a bit of controversy about you know if anyone was copying anyone there but I'm just glad that we get two kick-ass action epics that are like a video game where we're going up level by level um, look the raid has got you know inventive action sequence after inventive action sequence here and Gareth knows that what he lacks in budget he's got in ambition and he just goes for it uh, and he's got so many willing well <laughs> they seem willing stunt performers here that are living they're putting absolute life and limb on the line here and it, the results are just you know are just overwhelming in their action spectacle so look if you really want you know a kick-ass beer and pizza movie this is the ticket so check out the raid check out the raid too if you've got an extra two and a half hours of bloodletting left in you after you finish this one but look they are exhaustively violent but that's why I go to the movies. I, I love it. So, yeah, so The Raid, check that out. And check out Gangs of London as well. Check out everything that Gareth Evans has made. The dude is just, you know, he's a genre filmmaking legend at this point. So, five stars from me from The Raid. Check it out. How good is The Raid? I mean, we're still waiting for that third installment, which um, I think director Gareth Evans recently outlined the story for part three to Empire Magazine. So, hopefully, it's not too far away. I would love to see that. I'm guessing there's a raid in it somewhere. <laughs> well, I'm wondering if it's going to be like a an English-speaking film or they're going to keep it the way it is. Because do you remember the Tetsuo films? I've, I've got them on tape. I've never actually seen them. So they did Iron Man and Iron Man 2. And when they did the third one, that was all of a sudden an English-speaking language film. I had no idea there was a third one. I thought there was only yeah. two. The music's done by Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. It's great. It's really cool. Right. Anyway, uh, real quick, uh, let us know what you think that TV spot at the top of the show was advertising, and you could win copies of two Umbrella new releases. We've got Blood Vessel and Cult Girls up for grabs. Email your answers to glenn at fakeshamp.net, but as always, make sure you uh, you get in quick. First correct answer wins. Uh, they get snapped up really fast, so get on it, people. Now it's time to recommend some movies. If you're a newcomer to the show, this is something that we do at the end of every episode. Ben and I recommend one movie each, and hopefully this will inspire you to track them down and watch them over the next week or two. Um, but how about you engage us in some banter on our Facebook page? Uh, for that matter, engage us anyway. Let us know what you've been watching. We'd love to talk to you about it. Comments uh, in the section of this episode are the perfect place to put it. Also, for those people playing at home, our scheduled live stream of classic trailers never went ahead last Wednesday night thanks to a power outage in my area. Uh, so hopefully we'll try it again this coming Wednesday night at 10pm. Just be on our Facebook page for update on that. And Ben, tell us, what movie are you recommending this week? Uh, this week, for, I, look, it literally is a movie I watched uh, for the first time uh, two days ago. Oh, wow. It is from 1978. It's directed by John A. Alonzo and it is called... FM. You are busting out the obscurities today, my friend. <laughs> I didn't think it was that obscure. Funnily enough, it's a movie that I've had the soundtrack for on vinyl for years. Yeah, right. Uh, and I didn't actually, actually, when I bought the soundtrack, I didn't realize it was an, it was a soundtrack. I just thought it was like this, you know, like a like a compilation album mm. kind of thing, like a Hot Hits of Summer or, you know, but from the 70s. So it was like they were just, they had just embraced FM. Yeah, exactly. Uh but this movie, this movie uh, is basically about a a bunch of DJs, radio DJs, who work at a rock station. Who are they? They are all about the music, and they've got corporate overlords who want to jam in advertising that doesn't really fit with the the programming, and they're against it. And uh, they're they're uh, kind of they're in a bit of trouble, so they do things like they steal a competitor's rock concert, like they um. They, a, fr a, a 
a rival of theirs is putting on this great Linda Ronstadt concert. Uh, and this, if you've seen Linda Ronstadt do tumbling dice on YouTube or whatever, it's from this film. Like, there's wow. a great, there's a phenomenal concert sequence of Linda Ronstadt doing this concert. And she's at her most absolute prime. Like her voice is phenomenal. She looks great. It's a great concert. Like it's one of those ones that you can, I wish I was there, but he's putting on this concert. So basically this radio station steal the ability and broadcast it live. They just kind of, they, they hijack it. Uh, and it's, it's, but it's great, but it's very kind of like, you know, airheads. Uh, I was about to say, is, it sounds like a cross between airheads, the ladies, man and UHF. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty spot on. Um, it has a pretty good cast. Eileen Brennan uh, pops up in it. Cleavon Little from Blazing Saddles is one of the DJs. Uh, Alex Karras, uh, one of my favorites. Eileen Brennan plays Mother, the uh, one of the one of the uh, uh, radio hosts. Martin Mull is the kind of sexy new age uh, DJ who's getting all the ladies. <laughs> And he's tell doing like Serge Gainsbourg type stuff in the studio. Tell me and, why and I playing. haven't seen this. I don't look. I don't know. It's it's recently come out on Blu-ray through Arrow Films in the UK and possibly the US. Oh. So there is a HD master of it available uh, now. So it's pretty easy to track down. Definitely on gonna add that to my list. And obviously, uh, yeah, physical is the the preferred format. But is it available on streaming? Do you know? I do not know. Look, it wouldn't surprise me if it was cool. on something like Amazon Prime, just because a lot of Arrow stuff yeah. is. If they've got the rights for it in Australia, that I don't know. Awesome. Well, that's a good one. Um, I love that you every week you bring one to the show that I haven't seen, which is awesome. And the sa- the soundtrack is absolutely phenomenal. Like, cool. phenomenal. Awesome. Well, this week, uh, my recommendation stars Robert Patrick. Um, back when he was knocking on the A-list door following Terminator 2... Um, but sadly, that door never quite opened enough for him to step through, if you know what I mean. Does this um, movie also star Terry Hatcher's boobies? No, it does not. No. No, but this is a fantastic action horror movie called Last Gasp. Have you seen this one? No, I haven't. This one, it's got a very cool poster, which I'll talk about in a minute. But, um, well, it's not like all that elaborate, but it's just an appealing poster to me. But it's about a ruthless real estate agent who kills a Native American uh, on one of his housing development sites. Um which is being built upon sacred land. But subsequently, the natives in the area place a curse upon him. And that curse has him slowly transforming into a savage. And and this proves problematic when like a woman arrives on the scene asking for help to find her missing husband. She's played by Joanna Pacula. And, Love Joanna Pacula. Yeah, and this movie just has him slowly morphing into like a Native American. It's like, it's completely bizarro, man. But back in the 90s, like, this was a movie that just always gripped me. The, the VHS cover art at the time was so cool. It had just sort of his face up close with tribal paint on it and like a spear in front of his face, <laughs> which you could not do these days. It's essentially blackface. Yes. But he I loved like, it. He looks a bit like Mark Dacoscus, funnily enough. He's, it looks like Mark Dacoscus from the Sabotage poster or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. You know, I've never heard of this film. This looks, I, this looks amazing. I love it. Sadly, the subsequent releases like you know dvd or whatnot have had really really crappy artwork which is probably you know a a distraction or a detraction from the movie but the original one's awesome the movie's gritty and again once again product product of its time 
insensitive to an entire culture and all that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know what? It kind of came at that wake that I was talking about recently of um, you know indigenous movies that were sort of sort of rising up in Hollywood. You know, your Dances with Wolves and your um, I don't know what else did they have? Squanto and Black Robe, all this kind of stuff. And this was kind of taking that trend and going in that action horror direction. But it is available on Amazon Prime and Tubi, so it's easy to come by. Ah, I'll have to give it a watch. It sounds a bit like uh, Thinner, except yeah, Native it, Americans instead of uh, Very, gypsies. very, very similar tone. Probably a little yeah, bit yeah. more edgier. But um, anyway, there you go, folks. Those are the movies uh, that you should check out if you're able. We'd love to get your feedback on those, so don't be afraid to... Uh, yeah, don't be afraid to disagree with us, because, you know, it's not all about agreeing. No. <laughs> I've never disagreed with anything you've ever said, Glenn. I've never disagreed with anything I've ever said either. <laughs> oh, but anyway now that means it's time to go we're at the end of another episode and it's always loads of fun so thanks to uh jarrett from monster pictures guillermo from screen realm adam from the australian film critics association as well as joe chad and james from bonehead weekly and thanks to you ben also from monster <laughs> monster pictures another cracker show cheers for doing your thing uh you're more than welcome and uh, most importantly, thanks to all of you who are listening. It ain't worth doing without you. And we do appreciate every single ear that consumes our nerdy cinematic ramblings every week. And we're signing off with another Muppet song simply because we can. This one is... Is it the Muppets theme? No, mate. If only we had the license to do that. <laughs> it's time to put on music. It's time to license. light up my... License. <laughs> you might have just cost us a hefty fine, my friend. Less than 20 seconds, directly referenced. <laughs> 30 seconds, I think, is the threshold there. This one is called Nightlife, and it's performed by Animal from The Great Muppet Caper of 1981. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you same time next week. Give me my good friends and play me my music. Yeah, give me my nightlife. Talk me that guitar and
it's time to light up lights. It's time to get me started on the Muppet Show tonight. Why do we ever come here? I guess we'll never know. That's like some kind of torture to have to watch the show. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs>